It's on. Ooh, that's so much better than it was last week. Episode number 21 of the Covert Show, and you just heard the man joining me on the podcast, Nick, is back and ready for season number two as uh, the Covert Show gets back underway. And yeah, well, you you missed the uh, absolute botched can open last week, but hey, we're back on track this week with this one. You got to get it right when I'm on the air. That's right. All right, we're talking some sports. Uh, well, we were talking before the podcast was recorded. We've already gone down a couple of rabbit holes, so we may we may find ourselves down another one. Uh, but first, jumping into the NFL, it has been a long time since uh, you and I have talked about the NFL. But uh, the interesting part, and we were talking about this before the show here, the AFC's wide open. I mean, outside of three teams, the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars, everybody else has either seven, eight, nine, or ten wins, and everybody's still in the playoff hunt, including your Broncos somehow, but they've got a long ways to go to get back uh, to where they're going to make the playoffs. They've got a long ways to go, and they've got a gauntlet to go through in the next three games. They've got the Raiders on the road, the Chargers on the road, and then they keep the Kansas City Chiefs in Denver Won't on matter. the last weekend. Will and not I mean, matter. Oh, no, it's not going to matter. And that's the crappy part because we, we talked about this before the podcast. It was just like I said I said it. Denver literally needs to win out to even have, like, control of a destiny somehow. Like, they need teams to lose, but Denver needs to truly win out to keep themselves in any sort of contention. And personally, I don't think they can do that just because of the way the scheduling is so set up. Well, right and I now mean, with the teams that they have to play. I think you could make that argument for everybody that's seven and seven. That's your cellar dwellers, if you will. I mean, still only a game out of the playoff race. But the Broncos, and we talked about this too, kind of have one of the more direct paths to how they could figure out how to get into the playoffs because everybody's in the division, everybody's ahead of them. They're all teams that are in the playoff hunt, you know, Raiders seven and seven, Chargers eight and six, Kansas City ten and four. You're not gonna catch Kansas City. They're going to win the division, but um, there's there's at least an opportunity there. And I mean, you look at the division like the North. It, this division will have might have three different division leaders over the next couple of weeks as uh, this season wraps up. But the AFC is is interesting. And I mean, you look at the South. It looks like the Colts were dead after like week three. They got off to a terrible start. And then all of a sudden they start playing like they remember they're supposed to win football games. I'm looking at it now at one and four start to start the season. And now they have a chance to chase down Tennessee uh, for the Colts. Cardinals, is Jags. Ellinger, is Sam Ellinger still starting for the Colts? That would be Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is starting for the Colts. That's right. Yep. Uh, so they got the Cardinals who, uh, after getting throttled by Detroit, I don't know if anybody really knows what to think about that. They got the Colt or the uh, Jags and the Raiders. I, if I'm Tennessee, I might be starting to look over my shoulder a little bit because the Titans. I mean, they get uh, beat by Pittsburgh. They get throttled by the Patriots. They lose to the Texans. They've dropped three of their last four. They get the Texans, Dolphins, and Forty Niners. I guess an easier schedule, but uh, the way Tennessee's been playing, if I'm a Titans fan, I might be a little sketched out by that part of the season. I, I definitely would be because, I mean, it's 
you're not playing the football that you were at the beginning of the season. And to make the fact of the matter worse is if you look at the entire part of the standings for the rest of just the American Football League, I mean, you have every single team that is not a division leader right now hanging on just two wins behind you. So, I mean, you're if you take one more slip-up, you are literally no longer in control of winning a division. If you if the Colts start picking it up and keep continuing to pick it up, you have no say if you lose one more game. So the Titans are definitely kind of shaking in their shoes just a little bit. Um, and, I mean, the Cardinals, I think, are the same way. They've been kind of getting rocked the last two games. They lost to the Rams, and then they just get – pounded by the Lions. I mean, who is this Arizona Cardinal team that was just red hot at the beginning of the year? Now the Green Bay Packers are taking the North like it's just candy. Well, that is because, my friend, it is candy because the NFC North is full of teams that are terrible. Oh, yeah, 100%. Jumping into the NFC here for a minute, we'll go back, talk about the playoffs and where everybody sits. But NFC North, since you are so – Amazed that Green Bay won. I mean, okay, the bottom two teams in the division combined for six twenty-one and one. That's terrible. That I'm going to look across the league here in quick glance, quick math, and uh, the only division that's even close to that is the South. That's five and twenty-three. Yeah. But if you look at the bottom two teams of the North, that's my Bears and the Detroit Lions, six twenty-one and one. My thing is, is for the Packers, at the beginning of the season, they were shaky. And then they just exploded, which I, I thought personally, I'm like, okay, the Packers playing this bad in in Aaron Rodgers' year where he is just so absolutely you're... fed up with everything. I'm not saying that the Packers shouldn't have taken the league. I'm just saying they shot up, and now the entire uh, NFC is just run by the Packers. Okay, but when you say the Packers were shaky at the beginning of the year, you're talking about literally their first game. Because they yeah, get, they get they just, absolutely they... pounded by New Orleans. Then they beat Detroit, beat San Francisco, beat the uh, Steelers, beat the Bengals, beat the Bears, beat Washington, beat the Cardinals before losing to Kansas City. I mean, outside of their first game, it's, it's about pedestrian for Green Bay. I mean, as a Bears fan, I mean, you, you – there was never a point. I mean, okay, first week, everybody's got their knee-jerk reactions around the league, but I don't really know that there was a point where the North was ever in question. And, I mean, once they beat Arizona at Arizona, that kind of – That game that game should have been a loss in Green Bay's favor. Well, yes, but – if I was watching the game, and, I mean, you're – like, granted, yes, Green Bay won the game, yada, yada, yada. But Arizona was was on that march, one just bad route by a receiver and just a lucky interception at the end of the game, and Green Bay is now kind of back to where they were. But, I mean, I the thing that shocked me was the fact that just, yes, Green Bay in their first game came out very shaky. Now, everything after the fact, that's traditional Green Bay. So I'm, I'm sitting here like, yeah, okay, Green Bay's sitting at the top of the NFC, and, I mean – it's just it's kind of one of those things where if you really look at the rest of the NFC, there are true leaders. And the Cardinals still might have to watch their back with that, but if you just look at that picture compared to the rest of the AFC, everybody at the top 4 of the conferences are just are on a lock, I think for the rest of the year. 
and here's the thing with Green Bay too. I take a lot in pride of a lot of pride in what I'm about to say here, but you know there is a perpetual NFC title game choke, divisional round oh, yeah. choke. What, what they they'll be the one seed. Okay, say they're the one seed. They get to the divisional round. I mean, look at the NFC. I mean, it's top heavy. It, like you said, the AFC is much more interesting. Say, pretty much throughout. But you look at it, Dallas. I'm shocked that you. I can say this, but they're playing like they might make a deep run. Tampa, you can't count out. Arizona, you can't count out. Uh, the Rams. Even the 49ers, I mean, 49ers, Minnesota, somehow the seventh spot, they beat Green Bay this year. I mean, if you look, if there's one team that you really just look at and you go, okay, this will be a choke, Green Bay is that team to me. I mean, the AFC, I don't really think you can label anybody. Okay, say Kansas City uh, is the top seed. They get their first round by or however the playoffs are working with this extra team. Even if they lose in the second round, everybody in the AFC has a fairly legitimate chance. You go one through mm-hmm. probably you know, cut it off at Baltimore with eight. One through eight has, you know, if they can manage to get in, has a chance to make a deep run in the AFC. I, I truly think that this year, even if you count the record of the Packers out of it right now, if you take a look at the entire league, NFC and AFC, all in the one. I truly do not think that you have a team this year that you could pinpoint out once the playoff run comes around, even with a win streak on the line, that you could literally point out and say, this is the team that will win the Super Bowl. It has just been that kind of a year of ups and downs. You look at, like like we talked about, the Cardinals. They have lost to the Rams, and then they get just pounded by the Lions, and that's the second win for the Lions this entire season. I mean, you you have everybody making mistakes at almost the worst times possible. And for the Cardinals, it can't it can't be any more mistakes. I mean, you have the Rams sniffing on your heels. That's that's huge in the or in the NFC West. I mean, it's it's a year where I don't think you can pick a traditional winner out of any league. And I mean, you want to go with like the stereotypical Kansas City pick. I mean, and granted, they were at the beginning of the year shaky, and everybody was like, oh, boy, here's what the heck's going on with Kansas City. They're one and three or whatever they were at the beginning of the year, which I will point out this show never really got to that point where like, oh, my God, Kansas City's dead because we're smarter than that. But anyway, oh, yeah. uh, you look at what Kansas City has done. They have uh, they got smoked by Tennessee. Uh, you look at some of their early games. They lost a close one to the Ravens. They've lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Bills. Granted, all these were back in October and September, and since then, you know, they've absolutely destroyed the Raiders. They beat Denver. They beat Dallas. They won in overtime against San Diego, who's not San Diego, L.A. Chargers. Uh, we're still – I still don't get that right. But uh, <laughs> even Kansas City's not – the powerhouse of just everybody's going to roll over to them. And I don't know. The interesting part is where, so you, you, the top eight, this is Ravens, Bills, Chargers, Colts, Bengals, Titans, Patriots, Chiefs. Okay. I think we can all safely say, obviously one of them won't get in, but if any of those eight get in, they all have a shot. The interesting one is when you start looking at like, say the Steelers, Raiders, Dolphins, Browns, Broncos, is those to me 
I don't see one on that list. I mean, maybe Cleveland if they can figure out how to win the uh, AFC North, but those five, I don't really see one that's going to make that jump to that next uh, tier to those top eight teams. And I, I would completely agree with you. Those That group of five right now is just – is I think, honestly, the skeptical – of what the AFC could be when you look at a playoff picture. Cause like we talked about, even before the show, you have five straight teams who are within a game of each other, not even looking to, to jump ahead. The Broncos have a very, very tough schedule coming up. Um, I can't look at the Browns right now due to a uh, lack of internet. I'll say it right now. I'm poor. <laughs> I'm a college or I'm a post-college student. So I'm poor. I don't have enough internet right now, but I mean, if you just look at the teams that are left, it's, Honestly, I would say that the team that comes out of this could be the dark horse upset that shocks a team early in the playoff, even for the wild card. Who cares? I mean, that's the team that's going to shock everybody for at least a game after, and then it's going to reset itself. So for the Browns, they are at Green Bay, at Pittsburgh, and hosting Cincinnati. But I think the 7-7 seven and seven team – that has the best shot, and those include, you know, Denver Raiders, Dolphins, Browns, and Steelers. Steelers seven six and one, but I, they tied with Detroit. Call it seven and That's seven. Seven and seven. The teams that have the best shot to me are in the North, just because the Raiders and Broncos aren't catching Kansas City. The Dolphins, and it would be a long shot to catch the Patriots two games ahead with three to go. But you look at that North. <clears throat> with the Browns and Steelers one game back with three to go. And especially, you know, Cleveland's schedule kind of works out nice for them as they take on two division opponents in the final two weeks. Uh, that's the division that could really get interesting. And uh, we're going to be probably talking about that division more than any of the other three in the AFC. Maybe the Titans Colts become something in the coming weeks, but that North, that North probably will go down to the last game. I, I would say in baseball terms, just because it's it's the traditional, it would be a 163 type deal. I mean, you have just a gridlock there. Browns seven and seven, Pittsburgh seven and we'll call them the seven and seven, like we said. Baltimore eight and six, and the Bengals are eight and six. I mean, it's it's just a teeter totter effect. So if one team slips, another one's just going to slide right back in, and it's just going to keep keep going. So I would say there is a massive effect of whoever at least loses two games within the next three weeks are totally out of the picture. Even if you're Cincinnati and Baltimore at the top of the division, you lose two games, you're out. Like there there's just you're sitting at the bottom of the barrel. It's crazy. So I've got to ask your personal opinion on this. Talking about the Ravens, they're eight and six. And in the last two weeks, there's been two games of the last three. Pittsburgh and this last week against Green Bay where the Ravens go for two to win the game and don't get it. Uh Walk us through your mindset there. I'm I'm curious because uh, if if this is me playing Madden, I love it. If the Ravens get both of them, the fans love it. But now that you're sitting in the middle of this race, these two two point conversions kind of loom large for Baltimore. Uh, the, I mean, looking at it right now, you're you're sitting at crunch time football so i mean i'm not i'm not necessarily like saying don't don't go for two don't try to go for the win 
but at the same time, I mean, you're in such a division that controlling your own destiny isn't even in the question anymore. Like your your two point conversions kind of hurt you very bad. And I mean, one of the losses was um, to, or one of the last three losses that you had was to the Packers. So not a true division opponent. But I mean, two two people in the NFC North or AFC North, excuse me, that are really trying to look to hurt you and you lose very close games like that. I mean, the Ravens are playing very touchy football right now and they're not they're not coming out on top. So I'd say this next game, if you can at least take take the lead with the Bengals or at least have that one point deficit and get a tie game or get just something above it, you stay there. You don't try to push the button. Don't try to push the issue. You stay right where you are, and you either win the game or you go down on on a true loss. You don't try to push the issue because you can't you can't afford it. So again, Ravens lose by one to Pittsburgh, by two to the Browns, and by one to the Packers in succession. And uh, this weekend's game against Cincinnati's not one the Ravens are going to be taken lightly as. We kind of laughed this game off back uh, in October, but Cincinnati absolutely mangled Baltimore at Baltimore. Burrow threw 416 yards, three scores. The Ravens get outscored 28-7 to in the second half. This is a three-point game at the break. Baltimore gets embarrassed on their home uh, field. So uh, this is a bigger game, I think, for Cincinnati to prove, hey, that, that wasn't a fluke as uh, both these teams sit eight and six and you I mean for me personally I like to say this but with three games to go it feels like Baltimore Cincinnati might be uh, one of your early 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 playoff games here because the loser really has to win their final two games of the season I I would definitely agree or agree with that and I think the one thing that Baltimore has to look at too is they're playing with Hundley they're not playing with um Lamar Jackson, you're playing with a totally different quarterback. People people can defend this a little bit better. So Baltimore's got to completely sit down, redevelop a totally different offensive scheme, and they've got to figure out to win on the nitty-gritty. And they haven't figured out how to do that yet. And especially when it, co- or when it comes time for playoffs, if you can't win on the nitty-gritty, you're, you're out, man. It's Baltimore's got to figure out how to win this game against Cincinnati if they even want to come close to possibly making a late playoff run. And then looking at Cincinnati's schedule, they're at home. We talked about the matchup between the Ravens and the Bengals. They're at home against Kansas City, and they're at Cleveland. I mean, it feels like to me if Cincinnati can, you know, knock off Baltimore, knock off Cleveland and play close against Kansas City, they have one of the better ramps into the playoffs because all three of these teams – and I guess if you want to include Denver last week that the Bengals beat 15-10, they've played four playoff teams and really two of the three. I think Baltimore's better than their 8-6 and six record, and obviously Kansas City's figured it out. Two of these three games coming up for the Bengals are really going to prepare them for the playoffs if they can manage to get to the playoffs, winning probably two or three will get the job done for the Bengals. I'd, I'd agree with that, and I think the one I, – I would say that the two games that you have to focus on, especially winning right now, are Baltimore and Cleveland. you got to figure out a way to push the North back. And if you lose to Kansas City, I agree. If you lose close, that's fine. That's, that's a playoff team that's probably going to at least go deep into the run, but you need to focus on Baltimore this week, and you need to focus on Cleveland. It's just – that's the matter of 
how it is. Kansas City can come later. You need two out of the three. And if you lose two out of them, then you're you're looking at either just missing the bubble or hoping that Baltimore chokes in at least two more of those games. And then finally looking at what Pittsburgh's got coming up. And Pittsburgh, again, that odd team out, you know, they're technically a half game better than the Browns at 7-6-1. and one. But looking at their schedule, to me, it seems like they have to win out. And here's their schedule. They don't have an easy schedule at all. At Kansas City, hosting the Browns, and at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore lost to them by a point earlier in the season. The Browns lost by five. So I, even the Browns game, maybe not as much of a – a throwaway game as it used to be between those two. I mean, that's a steep schedule. Pittsburgh uh, definitely going to need some help in that process, too, as they sit uh, basically a half game out of a playoff spot that's going to be more complicated than that by the time we get to the final week. But a stout schedule for Pittsburgh in the final three. Pittsburgh, to me, is one of those teams that, especially within the last three games – slightly doesn't concern me just because the last three games, they, they tend to have a little bit of a strive and correct me if I'm wrong, but the last few years of the, of the last three games for Pittsburgh, those have been their big moments to try to make it into the playoffs too. I mean, they've been good playoff teams, but the last three games have really been their nitty gritty opponents. So I think if you're looking at it, the Steelers kind of have the best chance of walking out of here with a couple of key wins and the Browns need to at least acknowledge that factor. So looking at Pittsburgh last year, their final three, they actually dropped two of the three beating the Colts, losing close to the Browns and losing uh, to the Bengals by 10 before that magical fun first round playoff game that saw the Cleveland Browns put up 48 points at Pittsburgh and then promptly almost blow the game back to Pittsburgh. Try to ignore that little fact from last year. But, I mean, as somebody that had seen the Browns, and obviously everybody else had too, but to see the Browns get up 28-zip in that playoff game last year, I mean, it was just a fun game to watch as um, uh, that could be an, an interesting matchup going into the final week. But, yeah, it is a mess in the AFC. And then NFC, Green Bay clinched. Uh, talking, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Cowboys, Bucks, Cardinals, and Rams all 10-4. and four. Uh, 49ers 8-6. and six. The Vikings, Saints, Eagles, and that's it, are 7-7. Seven and seven. Bears have been eliminated. They join... Uh, they're the fifth team eliminated. Here's the order of how teams have been eliminated. Jacksonville, Detroit, Jets, Texans, Bears. Not a great list for my Bears to be on, but there you go. You know what? Your Broncos aren't on the list yet, so uh, you got some things to look forward to uh, here in these last three weeks. It's it's not a good thing to look forward to, like we said earlier. You're so not optimistic. You're like, you're like talking to RC about the Ravens. Hey, at least you still have a technic- you have a mathematical chance. My team hasn't there's, had a mathematical chance since the first game of the year. There's a mathematical chance, and then there's just realizing what the Broncos are struggling with, and that is truly finding a quarterback that can fit the system, replacing a couple of wide receivers, and just being able to push an offense like when we had Peyton Manning and John Elway. 
being able to push an offense. So you I need mean, to find a Hall of Fame quarterback to lead your team. That's that's what the that's it. That's all your team needs to do, right? Well, I doubt we're really going to find it much this year. The draft class isn't really strong on quarterbacks oh, this year. Man. That's that's tough. I wish my uh, Bears had a uh, Hall of Fame quarterback I, at the helm, but I think Justin Fields. If you if you just give him a chance at possibly bringing a quarterback besides Andy Dalton to kind of be a mentor, I think Justin Fields could kind of find a way. He's he's been doing a lot better than friggin' Trevor Lawrence. Well, here's my thing. Bears and quarterbacks have never mixed in the entire existence oh. of the franchise. So, no. going no. by that logic, I'm going to okay, say hold that on, he'll... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go back to it. The Bears need to find a, a Hall of Fame defense again. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, their defense, uh, I don't know. Their their record the... sucks, so everything about them is not great. But uh, the defense has been the only thing since I've been alive that you could ever go, hey, that's pretty good. Because the offense sure in the heck has not ever been to that point. But Oh, no. I mean, it's it's just funny to to see teams be what they were on one side of the ball and then completely look at the side that should be the one winning games. And it's just like, why why don't we have this yet? And then Two it's words like, oh, for you, we, pal. We need to go back. Go Two for words it. for you, pal. Double doink. That first-round <laughs> playoff game against the Eagles <laughs> – the Bears should have won it 45 different ways, and they wasn't just decided the kickers, that Cody Parkey. His name was Blewett. Cody oh, wait, Parkey. No, Cody yeah. Parkey. Blewett, and that's another classic kicker name, but Cody Parkey. The dude double-doinked, I think, five or six kicks throughout the year, and then on national TV with the Bears driving down to win a playoff game at home, goes, oh, you know it would be better than bouncing it off one upright? Let's bounce it off an upright, off the crossbar, and then back onto the field. No good. Yeah. Tough. Oh, man. But anyway, you know, the last, so... The last time that I can remember the Broncos and the Steelers in a playoff at the same time was when Tim Tebow threw the pass to beat the Steelers to go play Tom Brady in the Patriots. And then we got throttled. I, was I remember watching that live and... Just being like, oh, my God, they're going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go. And then I, they I did. Watched that, and then I everybody watched knew they had home. no chance against the Patriots. But, hey, it was a good ride while it lasted. I can remember just like yesterday. I was sitting at a wedding reception as a young child and just like, man, I wonder what the score of the Bronco game is. Man, I wonder what the score of the Bronco game was. And this was when they were playing the Patriots in the playoffs, and I looked up. It was on the big screen projector, and it was the first quarter. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And I was just sitting there watching it, and then I got distracted with the entire wedding reception because it was for a family friend. My parents took me back to the hotel so they could just go do their thing, and I was sitting there, out, and they were like, are you good? And I was like, the Bronco game is on. And they are like, he's fine. I was watching this game and just – so devastated i was like no we're gonna lose <laughs> and oh my gosh because i remember the game before where we had the tim tebow miracle and it all just went to hell and i was like this is a bronco fan well in general here's the big thing about that there's a big a hell of a big difference between playing ben roethlisberger at home and playing tom brady really anywhere but in foxborough the fun the next week there's a gigantic difference between those two games. And, well, you, much like a lot of teams, have figured out that, well, Tom Brady's tough to play in the playoffs. 
Well, now the Patriots have friggin' Mac Jones. Good Lord. The kid just decided to blow up in the last few weeks. I mean, he's he's playing out of his mind, and that, I think, is the Patriots found how to use him correctly, and Mac Jones has just gone off. Bill Belichick is sitting there just licking his chops. He's like, okay, we may make the playoffs. We may not win a Super Bowl, but we've got another – another quarterback to build the dynasty around. And it's, it's scary to see that the Patriots can just continue to develop a quarterback. Oh, I guarantee you that a good chunk of the Patriots fans aren't thinking that this is just going to be get to the playoffs. I think they have their sights set on an AFC title game. I said at the beginning of the year, the Patriots were going to uh, run the East and well, so far so good on that. And, like I said, there's going to be a lot of uh, good battles in that AFC playoff, but that's a pretty well and good summary of uh, where that's at. Uh, so switching gears here to the uh, college football bowl games, we're into the early part of the bowl session still, so it's a bunch of bowls that, I mean, they're cool to be played, but they're not any gigantic teams in them. Uh, the Bahama Bulls saw Middle Tennessee over Toledo, 31-24. The Cure Bulls saw Coastal Carolina over Northern Illinois, 47-41. New Mexico Bulls saw Fresno State over UTEP, 31-24. Boca Raton Bowl, Western Kentucky, 59. Appalachian State, 38. And let's see here. Down to the next. Uh, we do have a final from today's game. We uh, do. Independence Bowl uh, from last Saturday, UAB. Upsets number 12, BYU, 31-28. Lending Tree Bowl, Liberty over Eastern Michigan, 56-20. My Ragin' Cajuns pick up a New Orleans Bowl win. Number 16 knocks off Marshall, 36-21. Utah State over Oregon State, 24-13. Tulsa over Old Dominion, 30-17. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Wyoming over Kent State, 52-38. Uh, we talked about it briefly before the podcast, but San Diego State rocks number 24 UTSA in the Miami Beach Bowl, Sad. 38-24. And in the Armed Forces Bowl, a final from today, Army knocks off Missouri 24-22 in the bowl games there. Is, um, going back to that UTSA, the bummer for them, they're up 14-7 after one, trailed by three at the halftime break. And then get outscored 21-10 in the second half there. So a tough go of it uh, for I'll, them. I'll say one thing about San Diego State. They probably have, if not the best, punter in the sport of football at the moment. I forget what his name is. I cannot think of it. But he is literally, I on college game day like two or three weeks ago, I think it was it was two weeks ago because it was conference tournament week. They did a story on him. His average punt in college football right now was almost 65 yards of a punt. That's His pretty average. good. He had three or four punts, I think, that were 80 yards. And they averaged 60 in the air out of those punts. I mean, he can flip a field like no other. And he's their kicker, too. I mean, you have a guy who's got a leg like that. San Diego State deserves deserves some wins. So, I mean, he's going to have some pretty good recognition coming into the NFL. But, I mean, if you've got a punter that can totally flip a field for you, you're on, like, the, the five-yard line, and he pins another team to the five. I mean, geez, that's an offense. That is uh, – that's an impressive number. I hadn't heard that. 
Uh, so a couple of bowls to talk about for tomorrow uh, has North Texas taken on Miami of Ohio and UCF takes on Florida. Uh, Christmas Eve Bowl, Hawaii Bowl has Memphis taking on Hawaii. Uh, Christmas Day, Georgia State takes on Ball State. And then we start jumping towards the, the uh, uh, final week of the year. Uh, we'll just talk about more of these uh, coming up, but mainly get to some of your ranked bowls. Alamo Bowl, number 15, Oregon, taking on number 14, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, well, maybe they'll uh, look like they belong in the SEC. Probably not, but we'll have uh, to after they, see. After they switch their quarterbacks, they damn sure do. Uh, Peach Bowl, Thursday, December 30th, number 13, Pitt takes on number 11, Michigan State. Could be an interesting one there. And then the uh, New Year's Eve games, number four, Cincinnati, number one, Alabama in the Cotton Bowl Classic. Well, here you go. It's a non-Power 5 in Cincinnati taking on the ultimate powerhouse in Alabama. Um, Nick, I'm curious for some of your thoughts here early. Uh, we're still a week or so out from this game. Uh, does Cincinnati stand a chance in this ball game? I I would say no, but this this is where my optimism really sets in. Cincinnati has been a team all year that can create turnovers. They have a very good turnover margin of being able to create just game-changing plays. Desmond Ritter has not faced a defense like this, but he's just a very dynamic quarterback. Nick Saban's going to have his team ready to go, so I – I think everybody knows that Alabama will blow this out of the water, but I think Cincinnati could make a game out of this. I, I truly do. Their offense is just very, very stout on creating plays when needed. Their defense can can force a very young quarterback who just won the Heisman on on how to uh, – in Bryce Young, he can he can make mistakes. And if Cincinnati's defense is one of the best at creating, creating mistakes, I think that's where you have just – a plethora of ways to win a ball game. It's just going to be a matter of you haven't played an opponent like this. You haven't played a defense who is as big as Alabama. Your line is going to be just absolutely dominated. So if Cincinnati can hold and Cincinnati can play the football that I, that everybody has seen them play in granted, yes, it's the American conference. There's not a lot of ranked teams there, but there are very good teams there. You have SMU, you have uh, Houston, who's joining the Big 12. SMU is as well. You have Central Florida, who has been a, a very decent team. Granted, it was Scott Frost. They were 13-0 and for two straight – or they were 13-0. and um, They beat Auburn. They contended with LSU. They had um, Mackenzie Milton. So, I mean, if you're kind of looking at it, the American Conference has been kind of a setup. So, I do think Cincinnati could be a contender. Will they win? Probably not. But it should be a very good game, and I honestly think, besides Georgia-Michigan, that's going to be a game where you you could see some fireworks. So, and then Georgia-Michigan, obviously, I I'm rooting for Michigan all the way. I do not want to see another <laughs> SEC <laughs> double matchup. The SEC is just too overrated. The college football playoff wants them there every single year, and if you lose your conference, unless you're doing an 18 playoff. Georgia has blown everybody out of the water. Don't get me wrong. Their record has proven it. They have been one of the most successful defenses in the country. Uh, you're you're not looking at a playoff team that 
probably would compete with Alabama again. So, I mean, I want to see Michigan's defense come up big against Georgia and then come up big against whoever wins that, that next playoff because I think it's time that the SEC gets dethroned once again. So looking at the early spread over under uh, for Alabama-Cincinnati, 13.5-point favorites is Alabama. The over-under set on 58.5 points for that game. Uh, so that's a look at that number there. And then you talked about the uh, Orange Bowl, number two, Georgia, number or number three, Georgia, number two, Michigan. Uh, it's an interesting one there. And it would have been more interesting had Iowa beat Michigan to see what kind of chaos would have reigned in the top four. But Hawkeyes did not even come close to getting the job done. Iowa takes on Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Outback Bowl has Penn State taking on number 22, Arkansas Fiesta Bowl. Number five, Notre Dame takes on number nine, Oklahoma State. Rose Bowls, Utah, Ohio State at Sugar Bowl. Baylor takes on Mississippi. As, uh, See, that- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not accepting the number five. I'm not accepting Notre Dame. Baylor deserved to be higher. And I will say that with a full heart. I will say that with every ounce of my being. Notre Dame does not deserve to be number five. Is you this not, is and, this the whole they're not in a conference and don't play anybody debate? No, 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 no. This is just the fact that you had no conference championship. You, <laughs> you, you proved the year. We talked about this earlier in the podcast. I believe you and me kind of had a rant on this. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame just did not have enough ranked. Win- Cincinnati even beat them, mm-hmm. and then they beat Wisconsin. But Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Earlier in the year. Shut him out in the first a, half. Yeah. You have a team that is apparently a top five team, and Cincinnati is now in the in the running for a playoff. Granted, that bodes a decently well amount for Notre Dame, but you have a Baylor team who proved every single test, who beat a very strong Oklahoma State team, who shut down a very good quarterback. And they're only at seven after winning the Big 12 title. They should be in the Fiesta Bowl, and granted, Oklahoma State, Lost it and is there, but what? Uh, Baylor's in the Sugar Bowl. Okay, I'll take the Sugar Bowl. But still, <laughs> either one against a very good Ole Miss team. But, I mean, you look at kind of how the playoff is, is matching. You have a two-loss team who could definitely beat Notre Dame. Their offense can hang with them. Their defense was very good at creating turnover against uh, Oklahoma State. And granted, the secondary might not be there, but still the secondary is what won Baylor that Big 12 title and very good offensive possessions late in the game. But I personally think that Baylor should be ranked higher, and if not, sniffing the nose of the door of that playoff committee's selection. Well, and and like you said about the top four, it's almost, I don't want to say guarantee, because there's probably ways it could not happen, but you already know half of the top four is going to be SEC teams. You already know you're going to have an Alabama, Georgia, pick pick two in the SEC. There you go. There's two of your – four and I think that's why everybody's kind of starting to go towards hey let's make this an eight team playoff and then you know I I personally think that'd make it way more interesting than it is I mean you get four teams granted there'd be controversy with eight but I mean with four half of it comes from one conference and a good chunk of the time when those two SEC teams make it that's your title game and I mean, if you if you were to do an eight team playoff, and somehow the final was a LSEC, all right, whatever. That's 
that is what it is at that point. But when there's only four and you're purposely going in and putting in two, that's a little less than ideal from from my perspective. Well, and now if you look at it, Clemson's out. Clemson has has fallen, and granted, DJ Ungolalie was uh, he was good when he when he needed to be, when Trevor Lawrence was out sick, but now Clemson's kind of been exposed a little bit without a very very crucial quarterback. Clemson's kind of starting to fall back to the I wouldn't say mediocrity, but they're falling back to the state of where they used to be. If they can keep the recruiting or the recruiting classes up, they'll be they'll be back to where they were. But now you've got Notre Dame sneaking back into where they were um, the last two times that they made the playoffs and just gotten completely blown out of the water. Nobody wants to see that happen. Uh, and Chip, uh, and, and Chip, well, and okay, well, everybody wants to see Notre Dame get blown out of the water, but nobody wants to see a playoff game where it's just it's the same four teams every year. And that was what the argument truly was about the eighteen playoff: is it was Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson. And then either Georgia, Oklahoma, or Ohio State were the three other teams that would sneak in. And that was what the back-to-back three years were. And LSU throttled Notre Dame because you, you got to remember LSU was in that mix. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow throttled Oklahoma. Notre Dame has been blasted both times that they've been in the playoffs. Ohio State had won a national title but then got blown out. Georgia lost and didn't lose. They choked. Just choked a massive one in the national title game when Tua Tungavailoa came back in. So now you just kind of look at how the playoff picture is seeming. It's still two of the same three or four teams that are in there every single year. So trying to put that eight-team playoff and make it to where you either have to win your conference with the Power Five teams, and then you get the the non-Power Five teams winning the conference, you get a very big mix-up, and something could happen. So I think that's what people are more excited about with an 18 playoff is you get a non-power five team who can win a playoff or win a conference championship, come in, mix something up earlier in the season, like Cincinnati did with Notre Dame, and then potentially win against somebody, get into a national title. They might lose, but it could be another Boise State, Oklahoma situation where you have a non-power five team get in beat somebody, upset them, come back in, and still make a name for themselves. And that's what people want to see. That's what I would much rather see because I think it was last year I much rather wanted to see it was Coastal Carolina, I think, versus Cincinnati in a bowl game where they were two unbeaten teams just going at each other and just pound for pound, punch for punch. They were staying in the game with each other. And then it was Clemson, Alabama for around like 35. <laughs> Like, so good for, Lord. So for Clemson this year, the Cheez-It Bowl is their destination. They're number 19, and they take on Iowa State. Iowa State. <clears throat> Intriguing matchup. I mean, I mean, I I'm, I'm guess I'm more intrigued from here being here in Iowa. I want to see what Iowa State can do against this team. I mean, the Cyclones, obviously, d- disastrous year from what it was looked like it was going to be with them being ranked so high early in the season. Um I'll say it again that Iowa, Iowa State game with Iowa being uh, dogs on the road, easiest money I've ever made sports betting in my whole life. Uh, but uh, you know, you look Iowa State had a hiccup against Baylor. Uh, they get beat by West Virginia. They get beat by Texas Tech. They get beat by Oklahoma. 
So not the year they were hoping for, but hey, they still get a bowl game, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what they can do against Clemson that game December 29th uh, for the Cyclones in that one. You're missing one key factor here. What's that? Iowa State does not have Brees Hall, the running back. He declared for the NFL draft, so Brees Hall is out. So that completely turns Matt so you Campbell's think, offense. So you think Iowa State gets boat raced with him out? I wouldn't even I wouldn't say boat race, but I mean that's a true that's a game changer. You lost a very big crucial part of your offense and one of the best running backs in the country who declared for the NFL draft, and now you're sitting hoping Brock Purdy can and granted, Brock Purdy is more than capable of doing it, but a team like Clemson or Dabo Sweeney and that Clemson Tiger defense is still is still pretty solid. It's just a matter of can you keep up on the offensive scale? Because like I said, DJ Ungalalie is a quarterback at Clemson. He's he's not the Trevor Lawrence. He's not the Deshaun Watson that Clemson fans have come to know and love within the last eight years. He's he's there, but. It's it's not that high powered offense. You don't have the um, the Hunter Renfro at tight end. You don't have the big receiving core that you used to have. You have now a team that is forced to make plays. And Iowa State kind of was that team this year, and they they struggled with it, even with the best running back in the country. So now without him, it's it's going to be kind of a grudge match, I would say. So it might come down to the wire instead of a game that a lot of people thought that with a very good running back against that Clemson defense, how dynamic it could be. So I'm, I'll watch the cheese at bowl, but there, there are a couple more bowl games on my schedule that I'll watch more than that. Well, I feel like that's probably the case with most uh, people with that, but switching gears a little bit here with college football, I've got a, got a flex about it. We talked about it before the show started. There's also a, national champion in the great state of Iowa and the NAIA ranks. Either way, in this title game, it was going to be the state of Iowa being a champ as the Grandview Vikings took on the Morningside Mustangs. Mustangs come away third title in four years as uh, they beat Grandview uh, 38-28. Grandview uh, led in the first half a couple of different times by seven as uh, Morningside able to get it done, winning their third title in four years now. And uh, there's that. They go 14-0. and Grandview gets close, 14-1. and And uh, going back even further, blowing this up to the semifinals, three of the final four teams were from the state of Iowa. Morningside, Northwestern, Grandview, and Lindsey Wilson of Kentucky. So wanted to throw that in there as uh, – Got the hiccups going here. I uh, wanted to throw that in uh, with the college football discussion there, too. Uh, Central uh, D3 team from Iowa making a deep run in the D3 tournament as well. Uh, Their quarterback was pretty good. Their quarterback D3 was... quarterback of the year. Yeah. Or D3 they player had... of the year, I should say. And for uh, NAIA morning signs, Joe Dolinchek, also the NAIA player of the year. So two... Uh, D3 and NAIA Player of the Year coming from the state of Iowa. You could say Iowa is uh, pretty good at college football. I I mean, no, if you actually look at it, Iowa does have very good college football. Granted, not being an Iowa fan in the Division I standard. But no, Iowa has produced some pretty good football teams, and they produced a lot of good draft picks out of the years. So 
I I respect the Iowa football name. I do. <laughs> Coming that, from that somebody really... from Nebraska, that must have been the hardest sentence you've had to choke out in a while. <laughs> hey, hey, we said it before the podcast. As of right now, Nebraska is truly a volleyball school. <laughs> Nebraska is a volleyball, and they're becoming a baseball school. And apparently that we're getting back to the women's basketball standards. The women's basketball team at Nebraska, 12-0, and baby, beat Wyoming last night. We're getting on a roll again. I'm just happy for you that you watch more sports than football. <laughs> Because if you were a oh. and you and you're you're a Nebraska fan, so you're pretty high on football, obviously. But I am the disappointment, time after time oh. after oh. time, oh. just would kill. So you know, I'm, I'm happy for you that you watch uh, more than football, because you know that's a good point that a lot of people miss with uh, college sports is. Football, while it is popular, wildly popular, isn't necessarily the end-all, be-all for some of these schools. You know, uh, think about like Duke and Kentucky for basketball, uh, men's basketball. I mean, there is that. But now that you brought up Nebraska football, I mean, I've got to go back through here and. Oh uh, no! Ah, that was bad. Twenty twenty-two schedules out already. Wow. They got 2020, 2035 is listed as a schedule you oh, hold can look on. at. I got to I gotta see if it's listed on the good old ESPN here to see what the heck I'm, the disappointment is this year. But honestly, here's here's the one thing I will say. <laughs> I, I am a Nebraska fan through and through when it comes to football. I will, I will sit there. I will take the ridicule. I will take it all day long. I'm not – I was born in 98, so I was the last – generation to not know what a national title was apparently <laughs> or to not say you remember when we were good in the 90s i went through the frank solich era who apparently went to ohio and was one of the winningest quarterbacks in the mac conference or coaches sorry not quarterbacks i went through the the uh joe callahan era i went through bo Pelini, who was fantastic we never should have fired him i went through the mike riley i've been through all of the rest of the era where nebraska has been bad I want to see a win so badly, but at the same time, this year to me was, besides all the disappointment, besides everything that happened, we competed with Ohio State. We competed with Michigan. We competed with Iowa. We competed with Wisconsin. We competed with some of the best teams in the Big Ten who are playing in very big bowl games who were, at one time, playoff contenders or who were sitting at the door of the rankings. I mean... Nebraska this year played better in the than any other Nebraska team within the last like six years after Pelini left. I mean, there is so <laughs> much growth that happened within this year. All right, but so still, it's it's so scary to see what's going to happen next season because I think next season actually is the first year that Oklahoma comes to town. Well, I was going to revisit this year, and then we can look ahead to next year for you and see all the disappointment that's coming. But no. before before we get to this 2022 schedule, let's let's revisit 2021, shall we? It was such a great year for Nebraska football. Three and uh-huh. nine, one and eight uh-huh. in the conference, including uh-huh. losses to Illinois uh-huh. before beating Fordham. Congratulations uh-huh. on the big win. Buffalo, congratulations on the big win there. You know, 52-28, putting up big, big scores. 
uh, 80 to 10, if my quick math is good right there for those two games. But let's get, let's get to the rest of it. And, and these are games, I'll give Nebraska this. Every time it seemed like this team was going to come out and beat a ranked opponent. No. But Don't in even pure comedic fashion, would squander oh. games and would lose games and would fumble games away like number three Oklahoma on the road losing by seven. Number 20, yep. Michigan State losing by three in overtime. Northwestern, yep. absolutely boat race Northwestern. Uh, in a game I got to watch, uh, losing late to number nine, Michigan at home. Uh, that, yep. was, that was a tough one there. Losing by seven at Minnesota. Losing by five versus Purdue. Losing by nine to Ohio State. Losing by seven to Wisconsin. And absolutely... Finishing the year off with one final gut punch to Cornhusker Nation, blowing a lead of twenty-one to nine going into the fourth quarter at home against the Hawkeyes, only to give up the final nineteen points and lose twenty-eight twenty-one. So, to re- <laughs> for those of you who are listening that really want to hear the Nebraska fans say it, to recap. <laughs> We had, I think, an almost, if not the NCAA record for most losses by single-digit points to ranked opponents and just entirety of the year to key opponents. We broke that record because we had um, seven or eight. The Iowa game, I remember getting back home and sitting at a a Mexican restaurant with my girlfriend, and we were watching it in a in a room full of Nebraska fans, just everybody <laughs> cheering halftime and and. One mistake started, and I said, "Oh crap! Here we go!" Oh, here we go, and, Nebraska! <laughs> oh no, no, no! It was it was one mistake, and she looked at me and she goes, "What?" And I said, "This game's not going to end well." And she goes, <laughs> "She goes, are you looking at the scoreboard?" I said, "Are you?" <laughs> because there there were two there were two games before that. I said, "We or we have uh, given up the lead, and it was a seven or single digit point lead." And I looked at her and I said, this game is over. We're going to get one more drive, but it's going to be over. And both of them ended that way. Iowa starts coming back. I looked at her and I specifically said, this will come down to seven or less points. And if it's a seven or less point game, we will lose. And sure enough, here it freaking is, seven or less points. And Nebraska loses on a pick thrown in the middle of dang nowhere to Literally, the only people there were black and gold. I mean, it, it has never, ever just felt so gut-wrenching just to see so many close losses as a fan. Like, so, I've been that as a player, but oh my goodness. So I'm curious from the perspective of the Nebraska fan, in these games, would you rather see your team play close squander about six games however many of the nine you lost that were close or would you rather just see it just get steamrolled that way your emotions out of it in the first half where do you where do you stand on that after a season of torment i'd personally rather see the steamroll come at the beginning of the second half i'd rather see a close game and just all, all of a sudden like ohio state catches a big or like it was a couple of years ago nebraska had within the last five years, I think it was, Nebraska had come out, it, game was close, within the seven, seven to three point margin. And we just, we lost it. We lost all momentum. Ohio State came out and just completely blew us out of the water. 
I would rather take that and just say, hey, it, it just came down to somebody got the momentum early than saying we had the momentum and then all of a sudden the offense just gave it away because that's what it was this year. The defense had played so, so much better than the last four years combined. Like we had given up less points to the teams that we played this year than anybody that we had played in the last four. And it was just so gut-wrenching to see the offense just give it away, give it away, give it away. And Adrian Martinez is now at Kansas State. So it'll be interesting to see if Nebraska either succeeds or just still goes back to the same old, same old. The offense late in games cannot win it. So, I, to be honest, I would much rather take getting blown out in the second half or just completely getting blown out than just taking gut punch to gut punch. So looking at your 2022 schedule for Nebraska, they start with a game uh, August 27th. They're at Dublin, Ireland. I, there's a football classic name that I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce. Uh, it's taking on Northwestern. Then you're home for three, including September 3rd, North Dakota, September 10th, Georgia Southern, and September 17th, the game you talked about that I'm sure you're looking forward to, Oklahoma comes to town. Then you get oh, into I'm 100% excited for that. Anytime that Nebraska plays a Big 12 opponent now or anything like that, oh, 100% excited. SEC about. opponent to you, Mister. Oh, no, <laughs> not not till 2025. Oh uh, man, I just can't get over the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. We've talked about it before. I'll say it again. It won't go well for either of them. I think it'll go worse for Texas. But anyway, so Rutgers at. Rutgers, Indiana at home at Michigan, home for Minnesota at Wisconsin, and then wrapping up the season versus Purdue versus Illinois, and on the road against the Iowa Hawkeyes to wrap up the season. I mean, it's an interesting 2022 schedule, and you know, maybe maybe Nebraska will figure out how to win uh, some close games and not go three and nine next year. <laughs> I mean, like I said, anytime Nebraska plays a Big Twelve opponent that was old. I am so here for because that was the generation I grew up with. And and now it's just a matter of how can we develop a team to win games. We have lost so many close ones. We've, we need to win those games. Bo Pelini would lose only two of them and win one major game, get us to either a conference title or a bowl game. We haven't been to a bowl game in a while. So Boom, that is why. Yeah, I know. But um, – no, it, it should be an interesting season. So I'm just – I'm very excited to see where the team can go up from here. That's that's all I got to say about the subject. Well, so let's move on. I didn't have any intention at the start of the podcast of going down memory lane with you, but, hey, that was pretty fun. We should do it again hey, sometime. I, okay, if it, if it makes anybody <laughs> listening right now to feel better, I had did this to JC earlier when I accidentally, <laughs> but yet yeah, he accidentally said the Toronto Blue Jays, and we went down the memory lane of baseball. Uh, uh, well, here's the deal. Of, okay, it was deserving. Oh, okay, it was deserving. If we're gonna use this comparison, at least my team was good. My team was just good, but not good enough in a division that's loaded to the top with good teams in it. My oh, your no, team no, went no. three and nine. Mine won ninety two of I don't know ninety two and seventy or whatever that record ends up being for oh, yeah. baseball. Don't, don't get me wrong, like you, you had a much better memory lane than I did, but it's just well, I don't know. I, if I much better is bit, exactly well, true. Okay, but I I gave you a little bit of a gut punch. You gave me a 
a massive just brain aneurysm. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's there. Oh man. It's what makes this podcast great. We're taking a look at top 25 men's basketball, going through the rankings here. Iowa State, how about this team? They won, I don't know, four or five games last year. They were terrible. And uh, now they're 12-0 and and number nine, so they got that going for them. Top 10, Alabama, Iowa State, USC, Kansas, Arizona, UCLA, Gonzaga, Purdue, Duke, and Baylor, the number one team. Uh, some others inside the top 25, Wisconsin 24, Kentucky 20, Xavier 18, Texas 16, Seton Hall 15, and Ohio State 14. A uh, quick run through of uh, that there. And we talked about it. We touched on it. It was um, a good NCAA D1 volleyball championship. It was an all Big oh. Ten title. Yep. Not not to throw any gut punches here cuz Nebraska did make oh, the no. title game and it was a 5 point or a 5 set doozy between the two. Wisconsin wins it in 5. Uh, Nebraska took the first and fourth sets 25-22, 25-23. Wisconsin took 2-3 and the decisive fifth set 31-29, 25-23 and 15-12. Uh pretty big uh, exciting one there as uh on the other end of the spectrum, Nebraska making a deep run in uh, volleyball. Nebraska, I, I said it earlier in the podcast, and I said it before it. Nebraska's volleyball, very, very high within the state. I mean, I think it was either the women's game or the men's game a couple days ago where uh, Coach Cook, the men's or the women's volleyball coach, had made a statement. Everybody was behind him after getting second in the national title. Nebraska was competing for their sixth national title, and I think it was, if I remember right, their um, fifth or sixth or championship game within the last seven years. So, I mean, Nebraska volleyball is such a big part of Lincoln. I mean, it's huge. We've produced some very good players, a couple of Olympiads that have played on the U.S. Olympic team. Um, but if you want a place to go play Big Ten volleyball, Nebraska's there. And Wisconsin, also a great place to play volleyball. I mean, uh, Dana Radke, who was one of their front middles for Wisconsin, she had an absolutely beautiful tournament. She had a fantastic championship game. She had 13 blocks, or if it wasn't 13, it was double digits. 13 would um, be correct, yep. Yep. I mean, Wisconsin played their butts off. They had lost to Stanford. It was two years ago in 2019, and Stanford had beaten Nebraska to get there. So Wisconsin was looking for their first NCAA title for volleyball in school history, and they had finally gotten it against one of the best teams in the country. So shout-out to Wisconsin. They played just absolutely fantastic volleyball, beaten off. Uh, or not be not wow that was whoa all right beat or knocking off <laughs> knocking off number one louisville sorry century I, I didn't even think anything of it until you're like whoa wait a second i oh. i stopped myself because i was like wait that did not sound right sorry knocking off number one louisville who had one of the best attack rates in the country and in case you're wondering yes i do watch college volleyball um, the Pittsburgh game where Nebraska went five straight or went five sets. That was a very good game as well. So, um, I mean that tournament and that game for the national title was very, very good. And Wisconsin was very deserving to win that. So shots out to those girls 
and Dana Radke, who will be, mark my words, a future U.S. Olympic volleyball player. She is an absolute stud at 6'8". Good Lord. There you go. Big uh, big win for Nebraska. making Or big win for Wisconsin, I should say. Deep run for Nebraska. And, uh, well, do you have anything else to add as we uh, – I'm out of stuff to talk about here. I could talk about how my devils suck, but I mean that's that's about it for NHL. There's not a I mean a whole my lot Florida there. Panthers are doing good. Uh it is should be noted NHL uh players will not be competing in the Olympics. That's been something that's been up in the air that was discussed today and uh, I guess good. that's decided that they won't. Um Devils for those keeping track through 30 games played are 10, 15, and 5. Oh, so good. 25 points. Metropolitan leader, the Hurricanes, who have 43 points. Well, we've only got 18 points to make up, and it's all over only 30 games in, so it's bad. 1, 8, and 1 over our last 10. Lost 6 straight. There you go. That's it. That's all I got. Panthers, for those keeping score, have dropped 3 yeah. straight. They're four, five, and one uh, over their last ten. There you have forty points, four points from the Atlantic Division lead. They're eighteen, seven, and four. There you go. And Panthers, we'll add I've one more in there. Uh, RC's Golden Knights lead the Pacific Division Ooh. eight and two over their last ten. Twenty twelve, and they have not lost an overtime game yet. So just twenty twelve and zero. Oh, uh, the it's record hard. for the Golden Knights, kind of surprising. There uh, looks like one of about two teams in the entire NHL that haven't lost in overtime yet. So I've, I've actually kept track with a little bit more hockey this year. I've watched it. I've watched definitely more games than I have in the last probably decade. Besides I, my uh, roommate actually being a golden Knights fan. Cause he is from Las Vegas. So, I mean, and uh, I've kept up with the Panthers for a while, but just hockey was never my sport. Um, otherwise. Yeah. It's hockey's actually fun to watch. I'll, I'll sit down and watch some hockey every once in a while. Hockey is one of those sports that's really fun to watch, and it is about eighteen times more exciting to see in person. I mean, it is a it's a fun sport to watch. Uh, you know, it's one of those uh, sports you can see a fight on the ice, and they'll just give them a, a somewhere between you know a, a several minute penalty, and it's possible they can go back out and play after fighting one another. So. It's oh, yeah. something to be said about that in the uh, sport as well. So there you go. A quick look at NHL. Didn't really talk about much there about our, other than our three teams uh, and the records. Like I said, Devils, Devils not good. They're better than the Islanders, but that's not exactly a big bragging point, I, I wouldn't say. so. Uh, I mean, hey, if we, if we need something else to talk about, we did talk about it earlier. We got college baseball rankings for every – Con- or every division in the country besides Juco. Well, uh, we got time to run through it here. We're just over an hour. I mean, if you want to talk about that, I mean, we did talk through that. Uh, you have well, full rankings. We can just run through, like, the top five for each division. Sure. So just just for future reference, because this is also one of my favorite parts of the of the season that doesn't get televised enough, like college volleyball, to start off with Division One, according to College Baseball Hub, the Division One preseason goes Texas at number one, Vanderbilt number two, who is returning a bunch of preseason All-Americans. I looked at the lineup this morning. LSU, Texas Tech, and then Stanford wrap out the top five. If we go to Division Two, it is the Tampa Spartans 
Colorado Mesa Mavericks at number two, the Wingate Bulldogs at three, and then uh, Angelo State Rams at four. It kind of looks like the, oh yeah, it does look like the Los Angeles Rams, or Ross, geez, words are hard, <laughs> Los Angeles Rams logo. I was trying to figure that out there for a second. And then you have Southern Arkansas at number five. For D3, you have Salisbury Seagulls. I have no idea where that's at, and I was a Division three baseball player. But um, then you have Cortland State. Then you have Marietta. And then you have Chapman, who I know Chapman is very good. They are at number four. And then Johns Hopkins gets at number five. The closest state to anything in the Midwest that would be relevant to Division three would be either Wisconsin-Whitewater at number 11, Northwestern at 14, which I believe, if I cor- or correct me if I'm wrong, is up in Minnesota, and then Washington-St. Louis, otherwise known as WashU. The Bears are at 17, and then Webster also is at 23, so the Midwest representing strong for D3. If you go to the NAIA preseason, you have Georgia, uh, Georgia Winnet, I think is how you would pronounce it. The Grizzlies are at number one, and then you have uh, Central Methodist at two, Southeastern at three, Lewis and Clark State, which uh, we talked about at the beginning or before the podcast. I believe you said Jonathan was out of Idaho. That would be correct. And then you have Tennessee Westland. The Bulldogs are at number five. And NAIA, anything closest, I believe, to the Midwest that people would know would be Benedictine Mesa, and they are at 23. And then you've got Bellevue University out of the good old Nebraska at 24. So... That wraps out college baseball. If anybody has any questions about that, we can get it started when college baseball truly rolls around. I've got a couple of recruiting classes and getting ready for another college baseball podcast for that. So I love college baseball. Yeah, we're definitely going to be having to add that in uh, once we get rolling with that closer to the spring. Uh, That's what I like about this show. Are you you and RC both bring uh, what you guys like to talk about? I kind of highlight the main... uh, sports that most people would uh think about but yeah you and rc bringing a little twist there as uh, you talk about the uh, baseball there uh you know we talked about it last week could not figure it out but uh, according to nick it's the code word covert 20 for 15 percent off raise energy uh Boom. last week we we had a, we had a go of it trying to figure out uh in the middle of the podcast what, what exactly the code word was uh but that is uh, covert 20 15% off raise energy and I RC is doing some work on the uh, covert show Facebook page. Be sure to check that out. Uh, I think he's either got a logo change or is working on a logo change. Cause he told me that he didn't like my uh, wonderful logo that I put together using word art. I mean, it, word art. <laughs> let me, let me tell you, it's a great logo. Uh, but you know, RC apparently thinks uh, we need a little more fancy logo. So we're, we're uh, rolling with that, but uh you have anything else to add before we uh, wind her down here? You know, I for the first time, I really don't. I mean, we could talk about some TikTok trends, but there's not really good ones to talk about where um, people are either being stupid or hurt. Okay, yeah, I, I will was, say, though. Well, now what? that we've opened this can of worms, we're going no, 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 to have no, to talk about it at least a little bit. It, it's one key thing, and this might be the stupid male in me, <laughs> but <laughs> what the heck is or, – so there's the trend that's going on is, are you a Nikki fan? And then it's like, am I a Nikki fan? Like hop up, hop up in the Sri Lanka or whatever. What the heck is a Sri Lanka? <laughs> that's a country. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a country. 
But still, like, what? What does? Okay, what well, your your have? your trend is way different than where I thought we were going with this. I, dude. Okay, so there's that. What else is there? Any so any this thing? No, like, no. My, you know, we talked about the uh, the 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 uh, hex bugs. No. The one where uh, everybody was stealing stuff out of the school, the the lick challenge. There Devious lick challenge. So this is again school related. Oh and, no! Yep. So apparently, and this is probably we're recording this on what day is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, this is back Monday. There was apparently, and it's more middle school centric. It seems, which is even oh, more begging more questions for me, but. Apparently, a bunch of people are talking about, you know, school shootings, this, that, and the other thing on the TikTok app. And it, the app feels like everybody's about three seconds away from just losing control of everything on this app. I mean, TikTok, we've talked about it a lot of when when we were in middle school, say, we didn't go to the same high school or middle school. But when we were in middle school, in high school, this really wasn't a thing. And it, no. it just amazes me and it amazes you of what is being allowed to be happen with it. I guess you could say of just, if this was, you know, say uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, it, it seems like there might've been a little more of like, Hey, don't do that. Where now it seems like everybody's just trying to dance around and not hurt anybody's feelings. But there's more being allowed to go on with this app than really should be. I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, I mean, man, throwing it back to my days where I had, I didn't even have I a mean, flip phone in middle school. I oh, didn't get a, no, I, I did not get a flip phone until my, I want to say my sophomore year of high school, which oh, I know I is really a, late, but like, uh, Okay, well, that makes me feel a little no, and no offense to you, that makes me feel a little <laughs> bit younger. But I didn't get a smartphone until my junior year of high school. I had a track phone in high school. I my, still had like one of those where you would slide it up, and it has the keyboard where my, you could actually like type on a damn keyboard. On yeah, mine was, mine was a flip phone. I got. I don't remember freshman or sophomore year. I did not have. <laughs> I did not have a smartphone until my senior year of high school. Dude, I mean, no, like seriously, and now kids are getting like iPhone 13. You give your three. iPad like, to a baby. You're giving your as, iPad as, to a baby for entertainment, like. And and you say they're 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 like a younger generation. They're going to live with technology. They have to learn. Um, hell no, I'm living without Wi-Fi right now. I'm 23 <laughs> years old. I am a quote unquote Gen Z, which I will never, never ever defy with like or, or like define with i'm not a gen z i'm like on that just last cusp of millennial oh, that man. decided to be like hey let's flip to the gen z era no i can live without technology your kids right now cannot live with it and it's freaking scary well there was like, a survey I, I had a phone that was a keyboard <laughs> there was a survey i saw about this sort of thing and it asked the question and I'll ask you the question before we get into what the survey said but so the question was asked how long could you go without power so if you were to drop power right now how long would you go without power before you started freaking out okay so honestly this is where my media brain comes in 
let me think here. Hold on. I'm trying to, I'm actually like playing out the scenario. And, and also I like nature. I work for a hunting company right now. So I would honestly be pretty golden. Like it would Mm -hmm. suck to be without power, without connection. Like I would want to talk to people, but at the same time, it's just like, I don't have to talk to anybody for a little bit. (laughs) I'm kind of cut off. It's like, I could go zero dark 30 within a span of just not even a second. So, okay. So say you lose power and you're, we'll, we'll, we'll up the ante here. Say okay. you can't leave your apartment till the power comes back on. So like oh. a Mr. Beast challenge, if you will, how long can you stay in your apartment without power before you open the door and the power's turned on and then you can do whatever you want? Okay, before 127 hours where he cuts off his arm, I would literally <laughs> film a vlog of how insane I would go. Because <laughs> it would just be funny. And it, it's not the fact of me like going insane with no power, I would still have a little bit of my phone, but at the same time, it would just be like, okay, let's let's actually test out this theory. Because I've wondered about this. So, I mean, huh. I'd, I'd give myself probably about half the day, if not until about 9 o'clock at night, where I'm like, man, I really need to just mix it up. I need my phone for something. <laughs> so you're, you're saying under... Over 12, but under 24? I I would think, because, like, I don't fall asleep without noise. So, like, if I'm just sitting there and it's just, like, I can hear everything that's going on around me. Like, if it's cars and just that kind of ambient noise, I'm fine. But if it's just, like, my air conditioner humming, mm, yeah. holy crap, I'm, I'm actually kind of, like, freaking out for a sec. <laughs> it's like I've got a minor minor case of ADHD that's just, like, okay this needs to shut off. I need this on. I need this on. I need this on. And it's like, wait, at this point, where do people think that I'm going crazy? <laughs> so it's like, I, so I think I probably in could conclusion last a under a day, under a day. I, w- I would say under a day, but I guarantee you I could last longer than any, any kid that is probably, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 18 and under. I could outlast any kid that is 18 and under than me. <laughs> I don't know because how big I, of a I, flex I guess, that is, but okay. <laughs> if, if you put me, if you put me in a room with anybody 18 and under, I could sit there and just probably either fall asleep or find something creative to do with anybody that is under 18. Oh, they'd be losing their freaking mind. <laughs> so I, I was, I don't know. I, I probably will st- I could probably go a couple days, be all right. Um, but this survey is interesting. This survey is really interesting because basically it's like uh, 7% of people or so would freak out. They couldn't last without power for an hour. And I'm like, oh, okay, what? Like, how are you? It's an hour. Like, go outside. You can't, you Take know, a walk. Like, okay, even if we, like, with our scenario, you stay in your apartment. If you can't entertain yourself for a single hour without without power, that sounds like a big you problem. I'd find a way to make a damn water balloon and shoot it across the apartment <laughs> next to mine. Like, like I would be find I'd be finding ways to mess with people just to like, hey, do you want to talk to me? I'll I'll <laughs> give you like social interaction. And people are sitting here thinking that an hour is crucial. Oh my lord! Yeah, so that that's where it goes. And I mean, there's some people that think they could do a week and all that. But uh, I mean, 
it's more interesting to me the short end of that. Like, okay, like like I said, a couple days, maybe even three, I don't know. I hopefully will never have to, you know, do that sort of thing. But it's intriguing to me, like I said, the people that are like, yeah, like an hour, I'd be like, that's that's enough. Like, I can't last an hour. Like, that, that seems bad. <laughs> I'd, I'd start drawing on my damn walls for all I care. Like, yes, it would it would ruin my security deposit that I put down, <laughs> but I would start drawing. Like, I, I would literally teach myself how to draw without using the dang internet. Like, it's... I would... I, you, the only thing this survey made me want to do was get a group of people together and literally just see how how long till people start freaking out. Like, I mean, you're going to have your phone for, I don't know, however long, and you'd preserve battery if you were smart, which not a lot of oh, people yeah. are. So you'd probably have people burning through their phone in the first, I don't know, eight hours, ten hours, however long your battery is. But, I mean, <laughs> it just amazed me. One hour, like... Six hours, even six hour. hours. Like, think about you. You could probably make six hours work, because okay, you're gonna be. It's gonna be crappy, and there's gonna be no power. But I mean, like you said, like okay, take that afternoon nap that you're never able to take. Like, boom, there's three hours gone. Your first four. hour, you're gonna be, you know, just just hanging out. There's four. Like, you can start stacking together your hours pretty quick. Succession here of like a day shouldn't be a problem. And there's Play people solitaire. that can't handle an hour. Like, that's ridiculous. Play solitaire. Do something. Create a new game. Like, sit there. Think of uh, think of trick shots. Dude, perfect. Probably there you go. Sat there. What set that we do camera, hour for set hour? that camera up or however, whatever, you, whatever you can find for camera. And then while you're recording the vlog of yourself going insane after having a, no power for an hour and how you're freaking I'm, I'm, out and how you can't look at your TikTok and... And can't, this entire uh, thing, this entire thing that we've been talking about, I've been walking around my apartment right now, and I'm like, "What could <laughs> I do without power for an hour?" And then I can look down, I see Christmas lights in my living room. Like, I see, I know the neighbor across the hall, or like, I don't know the neighbor across the hall, but like, get to know. <laughs> well, people. now you're about like, to. <laughs> oh yeah, for shit, I could just walk up right now and say, "Hey, do you want to be on a podcast for five seconds?" <laughs> Like, dude, it's just be creative. And that's I'm, the one thing that I hate about this century is nobody is creative anymore. And it's like, granted, sometimes I lack the creativity part, but it's just like, man, I could think of a really stupid idea, but I could turn it into a not like walking on a milk crate idea, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, holy God. Crap. The milk crate challenge has resurfaced. Uh. We don't need to dive into that rabbit hole. Stay out of that one. But, like, you know what I mean? You I, can literally that's... sit here and think of so many different things. And you don't even have to be creative with it to get an hour. Oh, I mean, no. I don't know. It, it just amazed me, and I thought I'd share it. Of like, I, I get technology's great, but when you have people that are freaking out about the fact that they don't have technology or power for an hour, that's that's problematic at best. So, yeah. Oh, my Lord. That, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> right Good. there. So, uh, again, episode number 21. We're into the second season. JC and Nick here as, again, that uh, uh, code word covert 20 for 15% off raise energy. Uh, getting the uh, old second season rolling here. And uh, with that, uh, 
unless you've got something to add, we're going to wind her down here as uh, just about an hour and 25, so pretty good length for the podcast here in episode 21. Not not too bad. We've, we've pushed about two hours on season one, but still. <laughs> it dude. seems like if you get any two of us plus a guest, there's no oh, yeah. chance it's under an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, and dude, honestly, like, thank you so much for having me back. Like, that was the one thing. Like, you messaged me last week and scheduling issues got ahead of everything and i am so happy to be back on this like this was the one part of my week where it was just like it was late it was early like i didn't (laughs) care it was like it was fun we talked about everything like we could just hang loose be be sport talkers be like just complete bsers you could shit talk each other too like yeah you make fun of my blue jays and i will never not make fun of nebraska because it's always oh 100 (laughs) percent But like, dude, this is probably one of the one of just the funnest opportunities ever. And uh, I mean, if you if you don't have the opportunity to be on like a podcast like this, holy crap, you better take it. <sighs> but no, this was the brightest part of my week. And season two, let's kick it off. Let's keep it going. All right. Well, like I said, happy to have you back on for season two. RC will be a probably joining us next week although he's on vacation so i don't know what's uh, happening there but uh this is going i don't even know what he's doing i know he's been uh talking up how he gets a whole week off here at the end of the year and i'm like well that must be nice but you know different uh different jobs allow for different time off so that's uh just the way of that it goes all right you can follow us on twitter at the covert show go ahead and email us the covert show at gmail.com check out the old facebook page uh the covert show you can find this podcast on podbean spotify as well and rumor has it i've got to get back to rc with this but we're going to be trying to do something youtube related uh either in this season or the beginning of next season we'll have to see but Obviously, we're two episodes into a 19 uh, episodes in season two, so a little ways to go with that. And with that, that wraps up Covert Show number 21. Thank you for listening.